2: Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome into The Sunday Smash alongside the managing editor of warchant.com. He's Ira Schafel. My name is Tom Lang. I'm sitting in this week for the Sunday Smash. And I think I picked a good one, Ira. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world of Knoll Sports. A lot of stuff. How are you doing this evening?
0: I'm good. I feel like I'm a contestant on chopped, though, because I was just trying to get some food ready for the family before I was grilling tonight. Grilled some chicken wings. Nice. And and I'm trying to get the sauce on them to let them, you know, just kind of caramelize a little bit on the grill for the last five, 10 minutes. And I'm trying to get those done as I'm trying to get here. I didn't time it all perfectly, but uh, I, I kind of, nobody was watching, but I kind of did the thing at the end where they throw the last thing down and kind of raise their arms mm-hmm. with the, uh, the, bu- at the buzzer. So uh, I feel like, I feel like I won chopped. I don't know. I guess I'll let uh, Kim and the kids let me know whether I actually won, but uh, I, I got it done just in time to get on here. So I'm good, what, man. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing all right. What, what's the flavor on the sauce?
0: Did, too. Did buffalo and barbecue. Uh, nice. we, we this In this house, man, we don't agree on anything when it comes to food. So <laughs> some, some buffalo, some barbecue, and, and I'll take whatever's left over.
2: There you go. Well, I'm sure it's awesome. I'm sure it was a win. You're a man of fine taste. When we're ever on the road, we end up, I think, 80% of the time, maybe 90% of the time, make the same selections. Uh, no matter what the cuisine is, we have a similar palate, you and I.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if it's a fine taste, but uh, it's very similar to yours. Oh, so. oh it is. That is fine. <laughs> You Good know what track. else is
2: fine? Everybody make sure to hit the like button underneath this video if you're watching on YouTube. Please hit that thumbs up right now. It helps us find more seminal fans who are looking for great coverage here at warchant.com and the and the stuff that's more relaxed like this. Like I don't have the light on in my office. All I have is a desk lamp on. It's a more cozy type well, of show. There. And uh and also if you're in the mood, hit subscribe right next to the thumbs up button because uh this is a hot and heavy time. I remember years ago Ira I was stringing for War Chant, I think it was 2012 maybe, because they needed the help. It's it's spring football, the end of basketball, baseball's going on. Obviously, softball now is in the conversation for FSU sports, and there was a big recruiting weekend. We'll have Michael Langston on tonight on Sunday Smash at 7.30, so if you have some questions for Michael, uh, be thinking of those and type those out closer to the bottom of the hour as we'll get a couple of answers. This is, frankly, a time of the year where uh, I don't know much about the incoming recruits. It's juniors, you know, that they're – I'll know more by the fall. So uh, Michael will fill me in as much as he's going to fill all of you guys in. But if you can do that, hit the like button and subscribe button. We'd really appreciate it. Um, Ira, where would you like to lead off today? I mean, obviously football is is new this week, but there's so many good things happening. Obviously basketball, uh, three in a row for them. Uh, the diamond sports took two or three each, but where would you like to start?
0: I'll start with football. Uh, yeah. just cause I just, oh. I just, I just posted the, uh, my, my three, two, one column. And, uh, Already have some people taking shots about the Kool-Aid being served up, which man, it's fine. I'll take it. Look, I mean, Tom, you were out there. I don't know anybody that was out there that didn't feel encouraged by what we saw at that spring practice. Now we all know they're in shorts. They're not in full pads. We all know that there's a long time to go before the season. We all know this team is not going to be a national championship contender. But again, like we said at the tour duty, the, the strides are evident. The improvement of the roster is evident and there are some players, individual players, that I don't know that we knew we could expect or or be that excited about, mm-hmm. and I and I think that was a little revelatory. And so uh, my my three two one column, kind of like Corey's observations, and probably I'm assuming like you and Jeff on the JCS tomorrow, were pretty upbeat after that first day.
2: Yeah, um, I think the four words I kept thinking of was that's more like it. You know they're they're not where they need to be, and and you have covered the team for a long time. You've seen a lot better rosters than this one. I started in 2010, and and I saw the rise of uh, Jimbo Fisher's recruiting and, and what that did to the roster. This ain't that, nope. but it's a hell of a lot closer than it was two years ago. And uh, I did a thread today on Warchant.com where I was just taking any questions that maybe any of the members had. And um, Gville Noel was asking about you know who do you think wins on the outside receivers in the slot. I said I don't know. It's honest to goodness competition. It's heady times at Florida State right now. In some segment groups, not all of them, but there have been so many years, Ira, so many camps where, by default, you know who the starters are going to be right. because there's nobody else that's even close to capable of starting. There's a lot of reps up in the air this this spring camp and and obviously leading into the fall. There there are jobs to be won and taken
1: here.
0: Yeah, and I you know I saw the Mike Norvell made a comment a few weeks ago. He was on a podcast or somebody's show, and it uh, wasn't one of the group availabilities here. And uh, he said, he made the comment that this is going to be the most competitive spring. Uh, he's, I think he might have been on ACC Network. But anyway, he said it was going to be the most competitive spring since he's been here and how he's looking forward to that. And I, I was kind of curious. And I asked him about it Friday. Like, how does that manifest? But when you go out there and see it, and you see who's lining up where on the second team or the third team, or you start to realize, okay, wait a minute. Those guys, that guy was pretty much pinned in as a starter last year, yep. or that guy they didn't have anybody else at that position. It didn't matter if he practiced. He was probably going to be the guy on Saturday. Well, now you have real competition. And, and, and specifically, like you said, the wide receiver position. I mean, I think it's an open – I mean, it's completely wide open. And, you know, I, I think uh, it's good for guys like – I mean, it's good for Pokey Wilson. I mean, Pokey Wilson, on the practice – he's been here for four or five years now. The practice we were at on Saturday, he had a couple of really nice catches. That, that first one down the sideline – was in, in I think it was in 7 It might have been a 1-on-1 or 7-on-7. Beautiful catch, throwing catch. And then later, you know, he, he drops one. And it's like that's the kind of stuff they've had to live through in the past. But if you've got wide open competition, you have real guys that maybe can beat you out, that can't happen anymore. You have to bring it every single day. So that's going to be fun to watch. I just, I'm just i looking forward to the spring just to see that. And, and on the other side of the ball, in the secondary, you've got guys who have been starters in the past who were on the third-team defense. Uh, on Saturday. Now it's one day and they'll be moving all around here and there. Uh, but that tells you something that, you know, about the competition they have now.
2: Yeah. Um, there's a lot of times in these last few years where you go to spring practice or, you know, an open practice or whatever it is for whatever coaching staff the protocol was. And, and you're excited because obviously any anytime that you can get out to the practice fields and, and you can smell the smells and see the sights, football is, is what we do. I mean, that's the bread and butter of war Chant, of this town of, of this fan base. And then you get out there after a half an hour and you go, Oh, Oh, okay. Well, I don't I don't even know that I'm excited for this camp. I mean, this is what we're working with. Oh man, not this time, not this time. Uh, This is a bigger team. There are more options at many positions. And uh, for me, what stood out to me the most, and, and I was talking with Jeff, it's a spoiler alert for the JCS tomorrow, but he agrees with Corey. Like What he saw from A.J. Duffy, and if you haven't read that, Corey's observations, A.J. Duffy was one of Jeff's biggest takeaways, if not the biggest takeaway. That wasn't necessarily the takeaway for me. It was kind of what you're describing, which is like when you see a lot of those seven-on-sevens or individual drills, and they did a lot of that yesterday, there's win some, lose some. And, it, and it's not because somebody just stinks at a position, either receiver or defensive back. Guys are making plays. Guys are going and getting the football. There's a lot of physicality out there. It looks like a real football practice. I, I joked with you as we were walking back to our cars when Mike Norvell uh, was speaking at the press conference on Monday after North Carolina this year, and, and he raved about Jordan Travis making his fourth read on a little drag route. And he's like, yeah. that's a real throw. And we were kind of all laughing about that. To me, that this looks more like a real practice. So I'm excited to go out there. And this week, they'll be available Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, at four o'clock is when the team's going to be out there. But yeah, I mean, Ira, this is, y- you can have three, four different dudes that you're excited about or, or that stood out every day, and they could be all different in all different positions. I mean, what, what stood out to you? I, I know you've got it in your three, two, one, but what stood out to you most? What's your takeaway from the first practice? Because for me, it wasn't Duffy. For the other two guys, are you somewhere in the middle?
0: Well, on a couple, yes, on all of it, really. But yeah. I mean, I think the, the one thing I wanted to point out to what the point you're just making. And this is where I, you know, again, people are going to accuse us of you know, Kool-Aid and all that and tell us to pump the brakes. We're not saying that the top line guys are what the top line guys are at Georgia or right. Clemson or Alabama or maybe even, um, you know, some, maybe even NC State maybe. But, But in terms of overall depth of talent, mm-hmm. it's all much better than it has been. And it's all closer to that. And then now you have maybe a couple guys who can reach that. To your point about A.J. Duffy, yeah, man, I, ra- I raved about him in my 3 two, one as well. I, you know, one of the things I had heard um, in November when, when there were a couple names out there, Chubba Purdy had already announced he was leaving, and there were a couple names early in the transfer portal that people were talking about, including a five-star kid from another school that was in the portal. And uh, FSU was pretty quick to let people know we're not going down that road right now. And what I was told was it's because – They didn't want A.J. Duffy to think that they weren't thrilled about him. It wasn't so much even at that point about Jordan as it is. They wanted to make sure they kept A.J. Duffy. And I was like, oh, wait, okay. So they really, really like A.J. Duffy. Mm -hmm. And then I started hearing things in the last couple weeks about how impressed they've been since he's been here. And at that practice, man, it's one practice, I know, and they're in shorts, I get it. But I was more encouraged by that than – Honestly, anything I saw out of Chubba Purdy in any of the practices I went to, and that's not trying to run Chubba Purdy down. I'm just saying A.J. Duffy, just as a pure passer in terms of variety of throws, being able to, to fit it in, being able to, to throw a touch down the sideline and the back shoulders, being able to take something off it underneath, the hand talent is the best we've seen out there in a long time. And now there's a lot more to play in quarterback, but that's exciting, man. that's really exciting
2: and it's not a crazy long delivery mechanically he's pretty sound i mean everything about him ira to me looks like a second or third year player in a system just like the body type is already mature enough he's going to get bigger and stronger as he gets older just natural course of events to get your man weight but i mean he is every bit of 230 already and so it looks like he could take the punishment of college football right now and everything's easy breezy It, it reminds me of a pitcher who doesn't have a a lot of herky-jerky in his pitching motion, you know, where the ball just comes out. It looks like you don't, you know, pitching Tommy John happens to just about everybody, but you're like, that guy doesn't look like an injury waiting to happen. Same thing with Duffy. It's just, you know, you're right. He has the hand talent, but the ball comes out and it explodes out of his hand if he really wants to. Um, I thought, yeah, I, I think they're pretty solid at the position. I ring your three, two, one. I agree with your assessment, which this is kind of what uh, Z-Chan is, is uh, talking about as well. You know, how significant of an impact will the lack of a legitimate quarterback battle have on Jordan Travis play. He looked free and easy to me yesterday, Ira. I don't know about you, but not just athletically speaking, it's just that there looked to be a lot of decisiveness in what he did yesterday. Only one practice, but I thought he looked fine.
0: Yeah, thanks, Zach. I think it's Zach. Um, thanks for that contribution as well. Appreciate it, man. Um, and great question. Yeah, I, I don't know that I see it as a as a true competition. And I and to your point, you know, this is the first time I think Jordan Travis is coming into a spring where he really believes it's his team. And I think he started to believe it mid- midway through last season when he, when they had given McKenzie a lot of opportunities in those early season games and then basically went to him before Syracuse, I think a conversation happened. And I think they were, they, I think they told him, look, man, if you're healthy, you're our guy now. We, we know you are the guy. You're, you give us the best chance to win. And I think from that point on, he kind of took ownership of this team. And that's carried over now through the workouts, through the offseason. And I think we're seeing it. Uh, at these practices, yeah, he looked. Um, Jordan Travis looked really good. I didn't notice the speed difference that that Corey mentioned. I don't know if you did. Uh, Corey wrote that he thought he, he thought Jordan looked demonstrably faster. I don't know. I Man, I always thought the guy was really fast, but but I don't know. Maybe you saw it that way as well. But but uh, I thought he definitely looked comfortable, no doubt.
2: There was one rep, one rep where I thought, okay, that does look different. And Corey and I just happened to be sitting next to each other, so it might be confirmation bias because we're we're talking about it as it's happening. But it just there's in his presence in the press conference. We were on the one side talking to more Jamie Robinson after Mike Norvell was done, and and, um, Jordan was on the other side. So I watched the presser, and then the way he plays, you could tell he's healthy, and you could tell up here it's all healthy too. I I think it's just he looks much more free. He looks much more sure of himself. Uh, He sounds much more calm and sure of himself. What what I noted on the one play he was rolling right, and he put on the afterburners. Um, after the play was over, the rep was over, he about sprinted back to the huddle, you know, and, and we've seen some practices. I won't say which camp, but we've seen some practices where, you know, Jordan might be nursing something or it looks like he's, you know, he's very cognizant that he's not at a hundred percent and he's only going to go when he has to go. Right. He looked like a kid on a playground yesterday, just having fun. And I think that that's, that speaks to, um, you know, right. being the man.
0: We'll see, you know, it's day one. And, and I thought Mike Norvell was, Right to point out, talking about the team in general, he liked the energy, but good grief! I mean, could there not be great energy on the first day of of spring practice? So that was expected, and yeah, Jordan probably feels as good as he's felt in a while. Um, Although he didn't look quite as springy at the tour of duty uh, session we went to, but he definitely did um, yesterday. And yeah, I think all that plays into it. But um, and I, you know, look, I I think the thing with Duffy is he's he and Tate Rodemaker. I thought Tate Rodemaker looked good as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Those guys. You know, it's it's about them getting to a point where Florida State wouldn't, it wouldn't be the end of the world if they had to go in for whether it's a series or two for Jordan to get checked out or whether it's for a quarter or a half or a game. Um, so I don't think they need to be focused on trying to beat Jordan Travis out. They just need to focus on being game ready because um, if they can, that'll be a big uh, benefit for FSU in the fall.
2: Yeah, uh, I can also say too that um, just looking at the running back room and you wrote this in your three two one. I agreed. Sometimes I don't agree with what uh, is in the 3-2-1, like 100%. I, I was like, check, 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 agree. That running back room was a concern of mine. I, I don't know that one day in shorts can fix it all, but I feel a little bit better after watching Trey Benson move, Ira. And I know, um, you know, if we were uh, buying stocks and players right now, I think you'd be in on the right. Trey Benson stock and uh, before the price goes up a little bit. But if he stays healthy, he's going to really help matters on the offense. And I think that they're fine there. Uh, I was worried about what you know, would be left if Jay Sean Corbin wasn't there from a physicality standpoint. I think they're going to be okay. What do you think?
0: I do. Th- I do too. Um, and, you know, again, we have to see how uh, Trey um, handles contact, you know, and whether or not uh, he's, you know, he, they say he's healthy and he, you know, he played a little bit last season. He's still coming back from that injury. Mike Norvell did say they're going to take it. They're going to be smart with him, smart with him. They're going to take the same approach they did when Jay Sean Corbin came in. Uh, a couple of years ago, they didn't rush him out there and play every snap of every practice. They kind of get you know use some load management with him. So I expect they're going to do that. Uh, but I really want to see him with pads on. Uh, the burst is really impressive. Uh, he's 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 not much smaller than Jay Sean Corbin. Uh, he's a little bit taller and maybe a little bit more slender. But he's a physical guy. He's much more physical than the other backs they have. And if you assume Trey and Tofeeli and those other guys are going to take a step because they're a year older, a year stronger. Uh, have played more football, then I think that room could end up being as good or better than it was this year. Which, to your point, I, I did not expect coming in. And uh, just to follow up on Zach's question about the, who would be the number two quarterback, right now I think it's still Tate Rodemaker. In that little in the little drill we saw before the, the two minute drill before they went out onto the field, Tate ran the ran that offense. I thought he looked really sharp. I mean, he had that really nice back shoulder throw to Portier. Um, I mean, he just looked very confident and control. I think he's clearly still the number two guy. Now, You know, maybe A.J. can beat him out, but I I think Tate's still number two right now.
2: It'll make for fun scrimmages and obviously the spring, which we can't see, and then the spring game is going to be really fun. I mean, that's a legitimate battle. Uh, A.J. looks calm. The question will be for Tate. He's always had a lot of shots in the bag, so to speak. Uh, The question is, when it ratchets up pressure-wise, is he going to continue to perform? And if he does, he again, he's got those throws. It's just a matter of handling the moments. Uh, We'll go to Michael Langston in just a moment here. I see him in the green room, so uh, we'll grab him for a rap. I know he's been busy as hell this weekend. I mean, it's uh, quite the Rolodex of players that came into Tallahassee this weekend. But one more thing on the offense, Ira. I saw it. You noted it in the 3-2-1 as well. Jeff and I talked about it on Friday. The battle for tackle, offensive tackle, is going to be really interesting as to who can be the second guy. Mike said it in his press conference, so we're not giving anything away about what we see in practice. The versatility of Darius Washington is something that Mike Norvell hit on a bunch. So did Alex Atkins in the one-on-one interview. It's clear. If they can find a second tackle, be it uh, in this camp, fall camp, in the transfer portal market, whatever it is, they want Darius to play inside. But somebody's got to step up and earn that job. That's going to be a fun thing to monitor this camp and then uh, into the fall.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really think it's going to be a perfect scenario as a coach is you're trying to find the best five guys, not just the five guys you're stuck with. And really for the last, I don't know how many years, man, they there have been a lot of games, more games than not, probably 90% of the games over the last four or five years, Florida State's offensive line coach and offensive coordinator have had to play guys on the offensive line that either weren't healthy, weren't ready, or weren't good enough to play the position. And right now, you know, you've got a great battle at the center, two completely different guys. you got Maurice Smith with his quickness and, and uh, Caden Lyles with his size and strength. We assume Caden Lyles is probably going to win that out. He's, Got a 50 pound edge on my guy Maurice. Unbelievable. <laughs> but uh, so you've got a battle there. At um, the tackle positions, you know, we think Robert Scott's going to start it probably at right tackle. It seems like he's going to start one of the tackle positions. That seems because you can't really move Robert Scott probably to guard, mm-hmm. but you could move Darius to guard if you want to. He's even played center. He, As Alex Atkins said, he could play any five position. So the question becomes if Darius is so much better at tackle, then do you have a good enough guard, whether it's Thomas Schrader or Rice and Estes or somebody like that to play guard with Dylan Gibbons, or if somebody's as good or close to as good as Darius Washington and Darius is better than one of those guards, yep. do you play that guy, whether it's bless Harris or, or Lloyd Willis at tackle and then move Darius Washington guard. So that's going to be uh, a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I'm really uh, eager to see how that plays out. I don't know that Darius Washington um he may end up winning the job. It's funny. Remember last year, they tried to move him from left tackle to right tackle. Yep. Then they ended up moving him back to left tackle. And now, now they want to maybe look, him at, look at him at guard. And he may still end up being their best left tackle. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But But they at least have options.
2: Yeah, I think it's one of those things where they're going to give every opportunity to some of the other tackles to win the job. They know what they have with Darius, so every opportunity will be given. Dylan Gibbons is in better shape, uh, clearly, working with Josh Storms, not just coming in last second in the fall before football season with whatever injuries, too, he might have had leading into the season. Uh, He looks great. And then Caden Lyles is crazy, man. He's like a tree stump with attitude. That dude is crazy big. The offensive line could be a strength. I'm not saying it yet. Uh that they, they gotta earn it. Somebody else has to step up and, and allow if they, to stay up,
0: if they say if they stay healthy, I think they're gonna be a strength. But you know, there's a couple guys, man. If you lose a couple guys, yep, it 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 still changes everything.
2: Yeah, they're not that deep yet. All right, it's time to bring in our guest this evening. He has been working his butt off with our own Austin Cox as well, down there at Doe Campbell Stadium, the senior recruiting analyst for <laughs> WarChant.com. He's been doing this for eons. Michael Langston, welcome to Sunday Smash. How's it
1: going tonight? Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. Uh, uh, busy weekend, certainly. Uh, a lot of stuff going on uh, as far as recruits. Uh, probably around fifty-five or so, and you know, new ones coming in on Sunday. So, you know, add it all together, it's probably around sixty. So, uh, really good weekend. A lot of elite talent on 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 campus, as people have seen with a lot of the articles. Uh, you know, and, and a very positive weekend. Um, you know, for FSU, it's certainly in recruiting, uh, got one commitment. And I think there's probably like between three to four guys that have given some indication that they're coming. So I think they're probably going to end up in class. So I think it's, I think it was a very productive weekend for them.
2: Well, yeah. Michael, there's going to be a, uh, oh, sorry, Ira. would like There's going to be a full recruiting chat later in the week, right here at War Chain TV. If you have not subscribed to our channel, do so. You'll be alerted ahead of time. When we schedule this with Michael, this is a, a shorter visit, but still plenty of time. Uh, Michael, what's interesting to me is I know it's not the same as securing commitments, you know, and uh, we've got uh, a message from Joel Davis. We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Joel. Um, it's not the same as securing commitments, but it, it's not nothing if you can get elite talent on campus when you're coming off of a five and seven season. How do they do that? How does Coach Norvell's staff secure all of these visits from really good players to check
1: out Tallahassee? Well, first of all, if you don't get them on campus, you have no shot. You know, and yep. so that, the first step is getting them on campus. You know, a lot of five stars, a lot of rivals, 100 guys. I think I think the big thing with FSU is is what they do is is relationships. I think it's big, you know, to have guys and their support staff like Ryan Bartow and Kenyatta Watson who put together this list uh, of guys to get them on campus. That's kind of their main thing is to bring these guys in, let the coaches – you know, do their magic uh, once they get in there. But I think really it's based on relationships. And then I think a lot of these kids are 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 really sold on on the vision of where they're going, the excitement of, of of where it's going. I think obviously the Miami game helped signify that and helped kind of solidify that. Once kids saw kind of okay, this is where this team can go and and they're still lacking talent and look at what this coaching staff's doing. So I think it's a lot on on flashes of what they've done, but also uh, everything they do is relationship based. If you, um, you know, all the, you know, a lot of the recruits I talked to throughout the weekend, you know, that was a big thing uh, that they're doing stuff that nobody, no other staff does around the country. And I'm talking about staffs that are Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, Florida, Miami, even, even all these places that FSU is doing something relationship wise that these other places aren't doing um, you know for instance like uh, the greeting outside I mean where your head coach is outside usually you have to wait until you go upstairs and then you get to meet the coach uh, Norville was very proactive he's on there he's out there and then two, just uh, you know I think uh, Vic Burley uh, rivals 100 defensive tackle you know said this really good where he said FSU let you see the things that you want to visit. You know, they give you an opportunity to say, Hey, tell us what you want to see, and, and, and we can highlight whatever you want to see. So they listen to the recruits, they listen to what's important to them, and not just have a scheduled plan to what you're doing. Well, uh, Mr.
2: Joel Davis, uh, we thank you very much for uh, your sentiment and your contribution to Sunday Smash here with Michael Langston as our guest. Uh, yeah. Thank you, sir. And, and you know what, Michael, it's because of you, it's because of you that Joel uh, decided to chip in here. Uh, What, what can you say about going out to Panama city real quick? And uh, you know, do you remember meeting Joel? Did you get a chance to talk to him? Because certainly uh, everybody has our respect here, but Joel deserves a little bit extra right now.
1: Yeah. uh, That's incredible, Joel. I appreciate that. Yeah, I did meet Joel. I met a lot of people out there Uh, um, for those that don't know, uh, you know, Connie and James Warren, uh, Jam Nolfin that's on our site, He they helped set up this Panama City thing. It was kind of last minute, really. Um, great event. Um, I, I had a great time meeting all these people and I even hung out afterwards because I, I like the interaction with people afterwards just to see, you know, the pick their brain can talk football. Some of them ask me football questions. Some of them asked me recruiting. Fortunately, Ira bailed me out and sent me a, a few things about team stuff that I could throw in there to, so I wouldn't look completely clueless and lost as far as team stuff, but it was a great event. Um, of course, it's, to be honest, Tom, it's not easy when you're following Mike Norvell the week before that went before me. So I had to lay it down, but I, am glad Joel and everyone loved it. I love doing these, uh, you know, booster events. Cause you know, a lot of guys, you know, a lot of people, just, you know, we have a lot of posters that, you know, don't, don't go out there and post stuff. They just, they like to kind of lay back and, and this is your chance to kind of meet them and to kind of see who you are you know, from a personal standpoint when you meet them. So uh I had a great time.
2: Let's make sure. Uh sorry, IR, you are muted. I don't know how that <laughs> happened, but uh if you don't mind. I may it. have done
0: I did that yeah. myself. Um <laughs> hey, uh I think Kayvon asked in the chat and uh we wrote the story last week that they've added uh Maddie McCormick is a, a director of recruiting operations. Uh they've added several staff members. I, I know you're getting used to these new faces that they've added um uh, we've seen them on the football side as well. You know, Michael Alford, FSU's new athletic director, and Peter Collins, the board of trustees chair, they've, they're really trying to put more resources in place for uh, Coach Norvell and this coaching staff. Uh, how important is that from a recruiting staff standpoint? I think when we talked to um, Derek Ray, who's another new person, the general manager of personnel, we spoke to him uh, on Friday at the luncheon. That video is up on the site if people want to find it or on our YouTube channel. But um, he said, you know, everybody's kind of trying to emulate what Alabama has been doing for the last 15 years in terms of just adding all of the support staff and all these relationships. Uh, what, do you see, what do you see that doing for for them, just adding these different people?
1: Well, I think it's a big deal because of with FSU, nobody sells relationships the way they do. And when you have more personal people out there, I saw Maddie a lot when I was out there uh, over the weekend. She was helping with hosting, uh, very nice lady. I know she's going to do a great job. Um, she helps. She's mainly going to help charity out as far as kind of setting up the activities and, and, and getting a second hand in there is always a big deal. Ira um, certainly making impact because they already do good with relationships, but the organization is a big thing that that Mike Norvell is is really big on. So you getting somebody that can help charity set up the the recruiting events, what they're going to do throughout the visits, whether it's an unofficial visit or later in the season official visits. I think it's a big deal. And and just their commitment to recruiting to show like, hey, we're serious about this. They showed how serious they were when they hired Ryan Barto, Kenyatta Watson, and and then later Derek Ray, and, and then certainly, uh, you know, their new AD with Michael Alford, who's really, you know, done a great job. And for people that didn't see, I put this on our, our boards. Um, inside Moore Athletic Center, they actually have some projected pictures of what the FSU facility would look like. And that's just a smart uh, is some projected pictures i'm sure maybe iras seen it in there but it's kind of a new thing they that i haven't seen there that they had before and it's just kind of a new way to sell your product where recruits go in there and they see hey this is what your your stuff's going to look like because they're in there a lot and the more athletic centers where you know they enter and all that stuff so i think really selling your product in from a recruiting standpoint and, and we've seen that with the, the football facility i think ira you're revealed today, kind of they're, they're close to breaking ground. So I think these things are showing the commitment to recruiting and and why this is so essential to the staff. And I I think the key is to not to add too many to get big like Georgia and Alabama is because FSU has such an advantage with the personal relationships. And I think you want to keep that, but at the same time, you want to add more to your product.
0: Yeah. Just following up on that. uh, Michael Halford. Uh, tweeted earlier today. Pardon our dust. A very kind of coy tweet and uh, some constructions uh, uh, symbols. And uh, you know, from what I've been hearing the last day or two, that uh, they they're they're getting more significant. They've got a couple one or two more significant donations, which gets them closer. They, there's a number that they want to get to before they announce. Okay, yes, we are breaking ground on this date. Um, I think the goal is to start right after the season, but they don't want to announce that until they have. Is all the money in hand that they need uh, to make sure they can go forward, but it sounds like that that announcement is could be coming closer uh, than maybe we expected.
2: So, Michael, uh, a question just on timelines. Obviously, okay. um, you know stuff continued today with recruits. Uh, th- yesterday mm-hmm. was a big one. You saw recruits all over the practice field. They got to take that in. They had the option to go to the basketball game. I know other activities were planned for them. Uh, but does you know, the recruiting weekend go late into tonight. Is everything wrapped up at this point? What's the timeline like for, uh, for the staff and and the kids that got on campus?
1: Well, I think it's, it's um, wrapped up by, as far as these guys for this weekend, there'll be guys daily, you know, as I told Ira earlier tonight, you know, probably, I don't think there's anybody visiting Monday, but it's going to be a continuous week where I have to check to see. So every day there's going to be a new guy. I think next weekend, you know, they'll have another big one. I don't think it'll be quite as big. Um, but, um, I think that this weekend's kind of, you know, finished up, but, um, I think another point that I think why it really just exploded and I felt like it had some added juice this weekend because, um, you had all these former players there and man, me personally, these are guys that I, I, when I first started, these are guys that I dealt with, uh, you know, uh, seeing PJ Williams, seeing Asante Samuel, seeing Christian Jones, uh, Having the juice of these guys there to kind of sell these are got these are guys that are winners. You know, Christian Jones played for a national championship. PJ Williams won a national championship. These guys have won. So recruits seeing that these guys coming back, I think it make a, it added a lot of juice uh, to to the product of what FSU was selling this weekend. Not to just the events where you had spring practice um, and basketball games and, and certain things like that. And I actually had a Funny conversation with PJ. I said, "Uh, how's it feel to get a? Uh, what was it like the feeling when you got a pick six off Tom Brady? You know?" And we kind of joked about that. And he said, "I I was shocked he threw it." You know. So TJ just it's just good to rehash with these guys that I have such a strong personal relationship with, especially PJ and Asante. And it's just a strong feeling when you get to see not just what they did at FSU, but just see guys achieve their dreams. You know, playing the NFL and just whether you're playing the NFL or you're you're a carpenter or whatever you do after FSU, it's just it's just so awesome to see these guys. And I can't imagine how the recruits felt after seeing these guys.
0: Hey, let me – I want to ask one question. We have a bunch of stories up on the site that Michael and Austin have been writing about some of the uh, wide receivers and linemen that have – that have uh, you had really good things to say about um, their trip. Uh, the Chris Parson thing was kind of interesting. The quarterback commitment for 2020, 2023 who – uh, he, you know, it's kind of been the bell cow of this class. People started getting nervous a week or two ago, cause he took some of his stuff off of social media and everybody freaks out. Um, the fact that he was here helping recruit, you know, and, and I know you guys had to ask him, how committed are you? But he, and he, and he said, I'm still hundred percent committed to Florida state and he wants to help build this class. Yeah. Um, but you know, I guess, what does he mean to this class and, and what impact does he have? With a guy like, you know, I mean, because, man, they had some of the best receivers in the country on campus this weekend.
1: Yeah, I think it's the biggest. I mean, the quarterback's always the biggest position to me because that's the leader that everyone looks to. uh, They reflect to. I think the whole situation with the Instagram uh, or or was about, I think, another network had put out that, hey, this five-star quarterback's going to visit FSU. And um, I think uh, he took it as like, oh, am I not a priority? And then I think at once FSU talked to him, they made it clear, like, you're our top priority. We're not even recruiting that guy. He's just visiting. And so I think once that it was explained everything, I think, I think Parson was, uh you know, to- I-, I think Parson's totally locked into what they're doing. And I think uh, Chris said a couple of key things today, just like how involved he is in like the guys, like getting guys on campus. That's great. Kenyatta and Barto do a great job, but, to really sell that with your your commit like Chris can get these guys on campus can help them you know, increase getting guys on campus so I think he's a I think it's a major part of what you do it doesn't matter if it's a defensive player or offensive player you know he's going to have that kind of uh infectious uh, personality because he, he's very outgoing he's he's very easy to talk to he's not like you know AJ from a year ago AJ was phenomenal as far as a recruiter but AJ was better as a back behind the scenes guy he wasn't like a promotional guy like you know what chris does and chris is chris is very open on that stuff and i think i think both ways work um but i think chris is a a, a huge part of you know uh, them building this class and certainly you want to keep him happy and that was kind of one of my main points uh going in this weekend with our preview you know that they uh you know make sure that he knows that he's the top priority and they and they they squashed that pretty quickly but um, I think he's a, a huge part of, of, of where this class is going to go and who they're going to get and how they're building it. And as Chris said today in our interview, uh, he feels this is going to be a really special class. Chris even hinted that, look, I know some guys that are you know, going to pop, but uh, I'm not going to ruin it for him. So basically, he knows uh, there's more uh, several guys that are about to jump on board.
2: Well, this is just the tip of the iceberg uh, for what Michael Langston has done this weekend. Um, There'll be a full recruiting chat this week right here on Warchant TV with Michael. He'll answer all of your questions. Check out the site right now, Warchant.com. We've got a ton of pieces that are already live. And Michael, is there a weekend wrap or is that already done? Uh, What what can folks expect on Warchant.com today and in the coming days?
1: Yeah, I did the recruiting wrap last night. I'll probably throw a few notes, uh, you know, based on today. I talked to, we got a few guys. Uh, wide receiver Hakeem Williams visiting. Um, got to give us, sh- I mean, everyone critiqued. I mean, I don't know if you you followed it, Tom, as far as recruiting, but everyone critiques Odell Hagan's all the time. Like, oh, he hasn't gotten us all these defensive tackles, and like, you look at that list. I mean, there was like five, four or five elite uh, defensive linemen that came in. He got one commit, and I think they look really good for, for another one, uh defensive end. Um, so, and Odell's been a major part of that. So the, I was impressed that my biggest takeaway was the job that they did um, getting some, you know, big guys in the trenches here this weekend and really position themselves, you know, very well for those guys. I do have to finish up the, a few notes with that as far as, uh, you know, today, but besides that, we're, we're, there's still, believe it or not, guys, all the content you see on Warchant, there's still more guys, that uh, me and Austin Cox have to get up with that were there that we didn't get a hold of. So um, certainly we'll, we'll continue to do more updates. There'll be more updates on it. And then, and then later, um, you know, maybe we'll, we will break some positions down uh, throughout the season, but that's kind of what's coming up. <laughs> Michael, it's
2: uh, always nice to walk around those practice fields and see that uh, you know, you're there doing your recruiting thing as uh, we're getting the team thing going. It, it's uh, it's a lot of fun to be a part of this, War chance staff this is my first spring camp, uh, as a member of the team. It's cool to see that we're everywhere. And that's certainly, uh, Michael is, uh, among the best in the business across the country in covering recruiting. Michael, thank you for your
1: time tonight. Get you a breather, man.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Michael. I
1: no, I appreciate it guys. I, I'm gonna get a little nap in a little bit, but, uh, I appreciate all the coverage for those that haven't seen, I mean, go, go to the team, uh, go to front page. There's tons of stuff on the team, uh, great coverage. I'm actually listening to you guys to learn more about the team. Cause I don't, I didn't even know what was happened in the spring, you know, practices, but, uh, we appreciate all the viewers that are doing it. Uh, appreciate all the love guys and uh, appreciate having me on tonight. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Man. That's
2: Michael Langston, the senior recruiting analyst right here at warchant.com. Once again, there'll be a full hour long, maybe a little bit longer recruiting chat this week. Stay tuned for the exact time of that event, but hit subscribe. And then you're going to know in advance, you'll get an alert, uh, that we are going live with Michael Langston and a recruiting chat. Ira, any thoughts on that particular interview, or do you want to move on to, uh, talk about maybe some defense? Cause I think basically 99% of what we talked about so far has been all offense.
0: Yeah. And we can talk a little bit defense. We, we touch on basketball probably towards the end and, and yep. baseball as well. But, um, yeah, defensively, you know, the, the one thing that's kind of hard to even discuss and, in. um, you know, just based on what we've seen so far, because they're in shorts, is, yep. you know, defensive line, offensive line play in terms of competition. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a question earlier from one of the people in the chat about uh, Tatum Bethune at linebacker. Again, it's hard to see. They're, it's not like they can really do inside drill or some of those kinds of things in shorts uh, without pads. But uh, there was at least one play where he really caught my eye, if you were watching it as well, but there was a screen pass where, man, he was on it in a in an instant. I mean, you could tell the instincts what you expect from a guy that had that had 108 tackles last season at his former school is he's probably going to be a guy that's got some really good instincts. They had him running, you know, with the main defense. I mean, it's not like that he's going to things are going to be taking slow with him. Um, uh, I think he's going to be right in the mix. I we expect him to be uh, maybe a possible starter. And there wasn't anything we've seen so far that makes uh, you think that's not going to be the case.
2: Yeah, without getting into specifics about who ran with what team, I mean, I, I think he was brought here to start. We'll see. Uh, I, you know, DJ Lundy caught my eye just because he trimmed down. Um, you know, he's not small by any means. Cause he he's naturally a big dude, but he looks to be in a lot better shape. Maybe puts him in a yes. position to be a little bit quicker in coverage. Um, you combine that with Deloach, and you might have a few answers here.
0: Yeah. And no, I think you're hundred percent right. He's definitely slimmed down some. And, and, uh, you know, I think when you look at the fact that, you know, what they've got on the defensive front, uh, I mean, you know, the way the coaches talked about the defensive tackle position when we were. Um at you know the luncheon on Friday, even some of the conversations we had off of camera. Uh, you know, they're really excited about the defensive tackle group. I think they're, you know, the, the big questions are gonna be the big questions gonna be at defensive end. And, you know, we'll have to see. That was the other thing I talked about in my 3-2-1 that uh I'm curious about is, you know, you just you when Mike Norvell made the comment about Jared Verse only playing a season and a half of college football and the fact that Keir Thomas and Jermaine Johnson were guys who had already played basically their full careers, like if it wasn't for the COVID year, Jermaine Johnson and Kier Thomas couldn't have even probably come to Florida State last year and played that season. So they were ready-made product, products. J- Jared Verse is extremely talented, big-time recruit transfer, um, but he's probably not the finished product that those guys were. And so that's that's going to be fun to watch when they get the full pads on. We'll get a better feeling of what he brings, what 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 development we've seen from some of the younger defensive ends, and then also uh, you know certainly linebacker play.
2: Yeah, I see this question from uh, reliable resellers. Also, uh, Ryan asked a question about guys on the edge. Um, it's impossible to tell before pads. Really, uh, to Ryan's question about does anybody look good on the edge? I, if you can't really get your hands on somebody a, as an offensive lineman, or, or you know, you can't play at full speed like that, I, I don't want to assess anything too early. That's the the, the difficulty of talking about defense uh, other than seven on seven drills. Really,
0: from uh, just a physical standpoint. Yeah. Yes, Jared verse like Jermaine Johnson last year physically. Yep, you know, looks different than everybody else, but but we haven't been able to see him in action really.
2: Agreed. Yeah. He he looks like he fits uh, an upper level power five football, just from a size standpoint. I think Bethune does too. He looks the part of a, of a good inside linebacker, um, you know, if you're running a 3-4, for example, which is not something Florida State's going to run, I don't think at least, but uh, those inside two linebackers, Bethune looks the part. He's sturdy. He's built sturdy, so uh, I think he looks good. And then Azaria Thomas is, is somebody uh, that, I mean, I just, he's so fluid um, in, in yes. his movements. I don't Sam know. McCall
0: was too. I thought Sam McCall yeah. looked really athletic.
2: There's a different class of defensive back here in terms of size and range. It's just a question of, you know, acclimating to the scheme and, and getting up to speed. Uh, with the playbook greedy Vance even looks good enough I mean he's he's not a big guy he's not a tall guy but he's he's stout enough and one thing that Marcus Woodson told me on Friday at the luncheon was uh, they hope that greedy Vance can be good enough to play slot corner here nickelback um, to free up Kevin Knowles to play a little bit more outside we'll see those are reps that need to be earned Khalil we appreciate your contribution to the program and yeah uh, Odell just keeps doing it year after year um there have been times, I remember way back when, the Tim, Timmy Jernigan commitment and how big that was for Odell because it felt like he was on the outs. That's forever ago now. Uh, but there is kind of a weird love-hate thing every once in a while that crops up with Odell, Ira. And, and yeah. just stop doubting the man. If he wants to coach, he's going to do well here.
0: Look, I have a theory on all that. Um, I really feel like sometimes that we judge position coaches based on how they're recruiting at their position when sometimes you have to look at the bigger picture of where the program is. You know, the the defensive tackle recruiting was not very good at the end of Coach Bowden's tenure. That wasn't because Odell Higgins didn't forgot how to recruit. It's right. because he couldn't get in with. A, and this wasn't from Odell. I remember talking to uh, John Lilly after John Lilly had left and gone and joined a different staff, who was a recruiting coordinator. And I asked him about some of the guys that they signed late in Coach Bowden's tenure, and he basically said there were. We couldn't get in the doors with the big time prospects, and that's that. There's no tougher position to recruit than the line of scrimmage. There are a lot of DBs, there's a lot of receivers, there's a lot of running backs, there's a lot of tight ends. But to go get offensive linemen and defensive linemen, that's who the best. The the best. There's not enough of them out there. So to get quality players at those positions, you have to be a quality program. When Odell, people were mad about Odell's recruiting towards the end of that tenure when they signed you know, some of Bud Thackers and Kendrick Stewart and some of those guys, the program was on a downturn. In uh, a few years ago when the defensive tackle recruiting didn't look very good, the program was going through a slide under Jimbo, then off the cliff with Willie and then a new coaching staff. So it's hard to recruit. Defensive line and offensive line to me are the toughest positions to recruit because there's so many people that want those guys, the best players. And I think Odell, if you've got a good program, Odell can sell it. But man, if things aren't going well, there aren't many assistant coaches that are going to have a lot of success recruiting.
2: Ira, why did you – I mean, listen, I'm sure he's a great guy, but Bud Thacker, man, that that just – it brings me back hey. to my college days. <laughs>
0: we, we love you, Bud. Bud's a nice yes. guy.
2: Yep. You know. it's, it's, it's nothing but love. Maybe, just,
0: maybe he wasn't ready to be a Florida State defensive tackle when he got thrown into the lineup.
2: It just reminded me of so many situations in which it's like third and two or third and five, and, you know, bah, 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 it's all playing, and, and they're like, come on, get up. And it's like gain of eighteen. First <laughs> <evening>. <laughs> I'm just, pulling off the ball, oh. but, uh, but but I'm like, will you stop, man? With the war chant, I mean, we, we just gave up eighteen yards up the middle. Is a run up the middle. Uh, well, I didn't have it as bad as the as the current uh, crop of undergrads do. Uh, that's for sure. We thought the last decade was as, was as bad as it could get. Hopefully, we're coming out of that now. But uh, one group that's coming out of it, there's a segue. Florida State basketball, three straight wins, Ira. They got some guys back on the court yesterday. Anthony Polite obviously returned earlier this week. But Matthew Cleveland and whatever virus he was suffering from uh, didn't hold him off the court yesterday. And Caleb Mills came off the bench and hit uh, all of his first seven shots. Yesterday finished seven of eight from the floor. Could there be one magical week in Brooklyn? Is it absurd to dream?
0: Uh, That was a a nice win, man. NC State stinks. That's a no. <laughs> it's, I mean, but it's it's this is a nice way to end the regular season. Look, I mean, they're 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 they the matchup they have right now is you know they're going to be paired with Syracuse, and then they've got to, they would have to play Duke in the in the next round. I think they can beat Syracuse without question. They should have beat Syracuse both times during the regular season. They only won one of them. Um, I think they'll beat Syracuse in the first round. It's hard for me to imagine that they're going to beat Duke. Um, but hey, Caleb Mills looked great. That was nice to see him. I mean, he looked he looked like he did earlier before i don't know you know you just he had some games where he didn't look quite as sharp but i thought he looked really good in that game uh cleveland certainly did butler did I and mean, they played really well it was a great way to end the regular season uh you know i don't know man knocking <laughs> out duke's gonna be a tall order well uh, it's
2: not exactly a uh, prize pick uh, proposition but uh, i may have uh, sprinkled a little bit on uh, florida state at 75 to one last week it was 75 to one and win the acc tournament i mean come on that's insulting they have beaten duke uh, they did beat Miami twice. They did beat Notre Dame this week, and and they've done that all with these injuries. If they can get by Duke, which is – they're going to be a pissed off club. You saw Kay last night after getting smoked in his final home game, tell the fans to shut up while he's saying that it's not acceptable.
0: No, gonna, it's that, not accessible. Do not tell us it's acceptable. Yeah, Trust that's yourself. right.
2: Shut up. Shut up. I'm talking. It's like, oh, my God. Uh, a, a humble person wouldn't allow for that ridiculousness in the post game. that dude loves some him. I don't think there's any doubt about that but I, I don't also don't think there's a doubt they're going to be a pissed off bunch when uh, if Florida State gets by Syracuse. That should be a motivated Duke team because they just got embarrassed last night. but if they did get past Duke, would you would you believe then because then it's Miami if it goes chalk in the semifinals and then whoever else in the final.
0: Yeah, no, I think they can, there's no other team in the conference that they could beat. But that's what's crazy about the season and also this particular Florida State team is, I would say there's no other team they can't beat and there's no other team that couldn't beat them by 15. You know, I mean, if they when Florida State does not play well, it sometimes goes south quickly. And uh, there's some tough, you know, some tough matchups. And obviously Georgia Tech seems to play at a much different level when they play Florida State. Uh, Miami's, you know, you beat them twice during the regular season. They certainly would be fired up to play Florida state again. Uh, there's a bunch of teams in this conference that, you know, wakes good. I mean, there's a lot of teams in this conference that, that, you know, it would be a tough win, uh, but there's nobody that they couldn't beat uh, including Duke. But I, you know, again, I, I wouldn't uh, wage my, my prize pick stash on a lot of big performances uh, in that Duke game. We'll, we'll have to see. I think, yeah. I also think Duke would take a little bit different, different approach than maybe they did the first time. And uh, we don't yep. see how it goes, but yeah, man, it was overall a good weekend. Sunday didn't go as well for FSU sports. Softball yeah. lost, baseball lost. Uh, but they they all took their series over the course of the weekend. And, uh, you know, basketball got that win. Spring football got started. Uh, so, overall, it was a fun weekend.
2: It was. Friday night, I had a really good time. Uh, a friend of mine, shout out to Spencer, uh, gave my wife and I tickets behind home plate for softball.
0: Hey. Oh, I was going to say, well, you don't have to tell, tell us where you were for baseball because you guys were on baseball more <laughs> than Mike Martin Jr., <laughs> You guys are on I, TV every time I look. There's Tom and Jamie and some guy with a a floaty.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's Rob, the owner of Metro Deli in downtown Tally. He was. Uh, everybody gets assigned the duck from the animals. Like if, that's your game to to have the duck if there are bases loaded. Um, I wasn't there until the ninth inning. I was yeah, in different parts sure. of the park, but I guess that was the inning they decided to, to clip over there the whole time. I, but um, it was a great night. This is what I was hoping for. Uh, if baseball was you know better this season was just the energy over there around it is the football practice fields, but around the diamonds. Uh, So a friend of mine gave me tickets. I was behind home plate for that uh, three. uh, I think it was three to nothing win, maybe four. But uh, we had a one hit shutout pitched by Sandercock, And then Sydney Sherrill hit her first home runs left center. That was a bomb. No doubter. Uh, That game was played in a brisk hour 50 as softball is. And I love that about softball. So by the time it was over, I was the third inning next door at Hauser. So went in and checked that game, and I was down in the bleachers in right field for um, Terrell's home run, to tie the game up uh, at three three, and that was an absolute bomb. You, yeah. It was no doubt about it. And then I was up there, as you saw, uh, there was visual evidence to confirm. But uh, I was up there for uh, the walk off. The, the, best,
0: the best part of your softball experience is you. So you actually had tickets, right? Yes. Like somebody gave you tickets. Yes. Yes. Uh, Corey and and the lovely Stephanie apparently just decided they would sit next to you. And I had a an FSU employee text me, "Hey man, your your boys in our seats," and uh, so, so mm. uh, and so he had to uh, and so she went over to him and told him those seats were reserved for Iris Schofield, uh, which was uh, appreciated. <laughs> but I appreciated.
2: So think- it was it was just Corey who snuck in for that. Um, the seats were empty through the first few innings. I think he was scoping it. I didn't know he was going to be there. Um, and then next thing you know, is like, hey, I'm, he was walking down the stairs. Uh, the seats were at least empty for several innings, but we, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Were, we were not degenerates, Ira. We had tickets. We were, we were given <laughs> tickets. And, uh, I man, I, I've watched a bunch of games from the parking garage across the street, but I've never been in the grandstands for a softball game. Uh, it's
0: fun, man. It's a good experience.
2: The sound of Michaela Enfield, even though she didn't have a, a big hit in this game there were a couple of foul outs, the sound of the bat hitting the ball. Oh my God, it's different. I mean, it's, it's thunderous. Um, if you're up here in Tallahassee and you've got a choice between several sporting events, go watch that softball team and go see Edenfield hit. It's something you need to do before she leaves here. It's uh, it's fun to see.
0: I'm going to respond to loading here because he's trolling us. And I just feel like I need to, I feel like every I don't know, three or four weeks, I feel like I need to give this speech. Equating Willie Taggart and his record versus Mike Norvell and his record is ridiculous. Willie Taggart inherited a program that had been winning 10 games a season for several years until Jimbo's last year, and he made a bunch of mistakes and it got worse. The program got worse during his tenure. Mike Norvell inherited the mess that was left behind by Jimbo and by Willie and then had a COVID year on top of it. So we'll see how he does. But to equate his two years versus Willie's two years is not apples to apples. It's not fair. So I'll respond because you want me to respond. Um, but, you know, I'll do this every month or so, but I'm not changing my story on that. We're evaluating them based on the situations they inherited. And Mike Gravel's situation was completely different. Thanks in large part or in large part of blame to Willie Taggart's two-year tenure.
2: Yeah, there was, some special, there was some special, no, that's fine. There's some special things that happened behind the scenes, um, that, uh, at some point, I mean, we could do a best of top 10. What you're not serious type stories. You're like, Oh my God, that happened. Um, you haven't heard anything like that from Norvell yet, but we'll see. I mean, if they blow it this year and they and they win seven, we'll be there. We'll tell you yeah. about
0: it. Oh yeah, if this season's a disaster, or, or if the quarterback yeah. situation doesn't go well, or you know, they've they've made some decisions that could backfire, and if they do, we'll handle it accordingly. But based on what we've seen so far, I think Mike Norvell's got things trending in the right direction, and they were not. And I and I wasn't an advocate of firing Willie Taggart when they did. I was mm. one of the few people saying no. I don't think they should because I didn't think they had everything in place from an administration standpoint. But you can't tell me that things were going in the right direction. I know they were not, and they I do believe they are right now. So we'll see.
2: What was interesting is uh, I took in that game in the stands, and uh, I remember walking out with uh, my buddy Bill, and we were just talking about it. And, and it was the Miami game uh, the day before he was yeah, fired. Yeah. And it went so badly that I said, how in the hell are you going to announce his name on the PA before the South Alabama game? Because there was one home game left on the schedule that I'm like, I don't even know that you can, Yeah, you know, I think you might just skip that part of it. You know, when you announce, just let them run out the tunnel, I wouldn't announce the name because you don't want to invite all the boos that are going to cascade from the 20,000 people that are there in the stadium. And, uh, they apparently agreed. That was the wild thing. The next day I was like, Oh my well, God,
0: they did it. Yeah. And I got, and I think I mentioned this before, but I started getting texts that night from friends telling me that, that there were meetings going on. And I, and I was like, man, I think, I just could not wrap my mind around them firing that guy after less than two years yep. because they I knew they were going to owe him $20 million if they did it. And you didn't—you had an athletic director who was a lame duck ostensibly. You had a president who was basically a lame duck. They were only in place for another year or so. I didn't think it made any sense to make the fire. But they felt like things were going so poorly behind yep. the scenes that they had to make a move. It was worth you know, eating the eighteen twenty million dollars, yep. they had to make a move because it was going to get worse and worse and worse. I'm not saying that was the right decision at the time. I was advocating against it, but they did it, and now that they have, I can only evaluate this guy based on his situation, and I think yep. he's doing a good job.
2: Yeah. Again, just to recap it, you know, we're excited because practice. It, it, that's more like it is the phrase I used. Practice looks something closer to where they need to go. If your target area is between seven wins, maybe nine wins, depending upon luck of turnovers and, and injury luck and stuff like that. They look like they're trending in that direction, but you know there's a there's a long way to go in camp. And if you haven't done so yet, make sure to hit subscribe to War Chant TV. they got practice Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week, 4 o'clock. So there'll be updates later in the evening right here on WarChant.com. We've got live programming Monday through Friday this week from 1 to 3 p.m. They go on break after this, Florida State does, but this is a full week of football practices. So make sure you're locked in with us on War Chant TV. I want to thank uh, Khalil. Can,
0: can we respond to John, Johnny Buckets real quick on the indoor facility? Sure or the football facility, he asked you know, the chances they break ground this summer on the football facility. That's not going to happen because the, the facility is going to be so close. To, it's going to be basically part of the practice fields. So they're going to – I think they'll definitely announce it by this summer, hopefully before this summer. But I don't think any work would actually begin until after the Florida game, the last home game. And my guess is, man, that next day or the the next day after the, the, the that game or the last practice uh, is when I think they'll start construction.
2: Well, that's the um... – you know, that's the. I would think it's in stone at this point that that announcement's coming soon. Alford wouldn't tweet that unless, like you said, maybe some things happened behind the scenes where they said, "Okay, we've gotten to this benchmark that we need to get to." Uh, Khalil noted this, and and we agree, Khalil. This is kind of tied in almost with what Ira was saying with the records and and the Willie era and whatever. But yeah, if you don't win games, it, it's hard to close deals. You know, kids top fives are not going to be a bunch of four win teams and five win programs. Not at the four star or five star level like Florida State wants to recruit. So. It stands to reason, but um, we appreciate your support. Yeah, Julio. I think he's, he's.
0: I think he's trying to say that, in much the same way with Odell. I was defending Odell. Yep. That a lot of people have been critical of Ron Dugans as well. I mean, it's yeah, at all positions, it's 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 tough on assistant coaches if the overall record, you know, to just say, hey, recruit better when the team isn't doing well.
2: One thing behind the scenes, I'll speak generally on it, just from the uh, the luncheon on Friday there's a love-hate thing with weekends like this with the coaching staff because they like to spend more quality time with players rather than having a large quantity of dudes on campus. But it's just something you've got to do. It's, it's a part of the process. Um, but I think some of the coaches are – they like when this weekend, this type of weekend is over, and then they get kids visiting during the spring practices throughout the 16 or 15 that they get. and uh, And that way they can spend more quality time with the young men rather than just go through the Rolodex like crazy – on a, on a given Saturday, but you got to do what you got to do. Uh, and they obviously hosted a, a great weekend. If you're just talking about the quality of talent that was here in Tallahassee, we have to mention our friends at prize picks. I did make a play tonight, Ira. It's, it's in motion right now, so I, I can't demonstrate it, but I'm sure Matthew can, uh, can pull up prize picks.com folks. If you have not done so yet, check it out. It's really fun. Pretty much the sky's the limit. Any sport you can think of. Jeff told me, I haven't looked at this, but they have college baseball now.
0: Oh, I haven't seen that.
2: That's what Jeff told me. Now, Matthew, don't go hunting for it if you don't see it. But they might have college baseball even with uh, some of these props. I played a hockey prop tonight, Ira. That's kind of my that's my lane. So I played uh, goalie saves. So you can see that. Uh, the the right-hand tab, uh, second from the right, Matthew. Yeah, you can bet on how many saves a goalie has in a certain game, over or under. And I did bet that tonight, and we'll see what happens.
0: So you're factoring to A, how good the goalie is, but also B, how many shots on goal there's probably going to be? Basically. Correct.
2: So I played tonight's tonight's Lightning and Chicago game. I don't know how it's going right now. I haven't checked the score. But um, Tampa just played back-to-backs late in the week. They're going out to Canada. They're stopping in Chicago on the way. I feel like this is a weird spot. So I think Tampa's going to get outshot by a significant margin. We'll see if I'm right or I'm wrong. I played the over on Tampa saves and the under on Chicago saves. See? It's pretty easy.
0: Good stuff, man. None of that makes any sense to me because I don't watch <laughs> hockey, and I certainly wouldn't wager any of my Prize Picks cash on it. But uh, yeah, if you uh, if you want to try out Prize Picks, they will match your deposit if you use the uh, promo code Warchant, and uh, it's uh, it's fun, man. It's entertaining. College basketball and college football a little bit more my my uh, size. If, yep. if college baseball is in there, though, you know what I'm doing with uh, FSU's pitching staff on Friday and Saturday. I'm hi- I'm hitting the overs. I'm uh, I'm going. Going hard on the overs with those strikeouts.
2: Yeah, I mean Ross Dunn had a big day today in the strikeout department too. Uh, That was good to see. Uh, But yes, uh, you know Messick and Hubbard are not—they don't mess around. And you could probably safely bet on somebody else's Friday night ace to hit the over. I think we had 16 strikeouts on Friday. Florida State did, so um, they're they're trying they're trying to get over that hump with the uh, strikeout issues. uh, But we'll see. Uh, Any final thoughts, I or anything that you want to promote before we leave for this week?
0: Yeah, no, just uh, we've got a lot more uh, – I think uh, Corey's writing something about Alex Atkins, kind of the adjustment for him, uh, going from offensive line coach to offensive line coach slash offensive coordinator. Uh, we talked to Coach Atkins about that on Friday. You know, you can get the sense – I don't know if you were over there for that or if you've watched that video yet, but, you know, you kind of get the sense that – I don't know if Alex Atkins loves those questions because, you know, his point is, hey, the former offensive coordinator coached a position too. Every 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 coordinator coaches a position. Uh, I'll be fine. Um, but uh, yeah, I know. But anyway, he talked some of the mechanics of that, how that's going to work and uh, the transition. And Mike Norvell talked about it as well. Corey's writing about that. And then, uh, as Michael said, I mean, I've got once we get done with this, Tom, I'm going to go eat that food I made. And then uh, I'm going to go uh, uh, edit a couple of uh, more recruiting stories. Michael and Austin are cranking out the recruiting stories. Plenty of uh, coverage more from the weekend that uh, that was in recruiting.
2: What is the over/under on the amount of wings left for you to consume tonight? What would Prize Picks set the number at?
0: Uh, I'm going to say they left me about twelve, is what I'm going to guess. Okay. So we didn't go crazy; it wasn't a huge supply, um, mm-hmm. and uh, so and only two of my kids will eat them, along with my wife. So I'm going to say they left about twelve, and uh, I'll be happy. I'll be happy. Uh, be happy if I get close to that.
2: All right. The over-unders, 11 and a half. We'll we'll, uh, keep tabs on it, everybody. Uh, Thanks to all of you who participated in the chat tonight right here on Warchant TV. Remember, we'll be live tomorrow, 1 o'clock, with the Jeff Cameron Show right here on Warchant TV. Subscribe to the channel. In case you forget, we'll alert you. And then also, every time you come to your homepage, you'll see content from War Chant TV. For uh, Irish Rafael, our thanks to Michael Langston for stopping in tonight as well. Matthew Hutchison, who is working the uh, the board for us. He's directing the proceedings. I didn't forget this time, Matthew. Thank
0: you so much. Appreciate it. And uh, Joel Davis and the crew. Any oh yeah, Joel.
2: Joel and PCB, sir. Anytime, anytime. I'd like to shake your hand if you make it out for the spring game or obviously uh, out in the fall as well. Uh, thank you to everybody for contributing. There it is. My goodness, Khalil, uh, Zach, all you guys. Thanks everybody hope you have a great night and we'll talk to you soon on War Chant TV